What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Wednesday, which means it's Unpolished Therapy Day. I'm Rachel Silver Cohen. I'm here with Dr. Boca and we are jumping in. Hi, Dr. Boca. How's it going? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you. We made it halfway through the week. It's so good to be here. It's always good to be here. Where are you taking us today? Well, you know what? I want to jump right in because I am feeling so fat. Okay. Like, I woke up this morning and before I even opened my eyes, I was, and I have this thing. And I think that if I have this thing, probably other people have this thing too. And I'm going to just be the guinea pig on this. Okay. okay. I woke up this morning and like my hands were kind of like swollen and whatever. And I, and before I even opened up my eyes, I was like, am I going to open up my eyes and be in a good mood today? Or am I going to be in a bad mood today? And what that mood was all going to circle back to was, how did I do with my eating yesterday? So you can see where I'm going. It's like, this is like a body image thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It cannot be just me. I know it's not just me. Half of the conversations I have with all of my friends are, oh my God, me too. I feel so fat. I feel so fat. I'm so fat. And none of us are fat. I mean, God forbid we should really have a weight issue. And I think that the unpolished issue that needs to be addressed is the fact that so many of us in today's world, and probably men too, I do not want to exclude them from this conversation, although it is more prevalent with women, is that we're struggling with what we see in the mirror and how we relate to ourselves and whether it's our self-worth or how, forget the fact how we feel physically, because Mm -hmm. we probably do feel pretty good physically, but it's the mental and the emotional feelings that have to play catch up. Absolutely. And you are Absolutely not alone in that. And I think it's probably one of the most universal feelings that people have and things that people struggle with. And I definitely do not want to discount the men. I think it's more prevalent for women because more women talk about it. And I think men don't talk about it. And if they did, it would probably be as prevalent. So I just kind of want to normalize that as well. I mean, I don't know a person out there who doesn't struggle, at least from time to time. And then there's those people that struggle every day. But yes, we, including my unpolished ass, right? I could sit in front of a mirror and pick myself apart. Who can't? What is that doing for me? I know you're going to say, because this is what you always say, is like, I get it intellectually. Like, I get that, like, I look good and compared to half the rest of the world, thank God I look as phenomenal as I do. And yet we still can't change how we evaluate ourselves, judge ourselves, look at ourselves against other people. And really, it only makes us feel worse. Yeah. And the other thing too, I will be a little bold to say, I think other people think this, but maybe they don't. For me, I know, and and thank you for pointing me out on the whole, like intellectually, I knew you were going to say, you do listen to me. (laughs) I do every once in a while. And of course I was going there. But what I want to say, intellect aside, for as long as I can remember that I do struggle kind of almost like, you know, a functioning body image struggler, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm still living my life and doing my thing. And it's never been where it was given a real diagnosis or was hospitalized or anything like that. I've managed it, but Mm -hmm. I manage it in my mind. And it's never, ever, ever, ever been to look good for someone else. I think that would probably be easier easier if it was to do it for someone else. It's to do it for me. I just feel happier. 
I feel more confident. I feel more secure. I physically do feel better, but emotionally and mentally, I feel like I could walk on sunshine if when I get up in the morning and I feel stealth and lean and trim and all right, I still have it going on Mm -hmm. regardless of the age thing and all that, which we can get into. It's for me. Yeah. And it does set my mental clock to how the rest of my day is going to go. And I hate it, but that's me. So it's interesting. You know, everybody has their own shtick, right? Their own thing. So for me, it's more of, oh my gosh, like I'm going to wake up today. I don't even like really care what I look like as long as my face looks halfway decent. And now with masks, it really doesn't even matter. But like, I'm like, okay, because I'm never going to be not in shape to some degree. I mean, maybe I will, but like not in the short term time period. I'm not not going to be in shape. But for me, it's like, okay, like pull yourself together and you got to eat some healthy shit today. Like you can't go rogue. And I will like do an amazing breakfast and then I'm going to do an amazing snack and then I'm going to have a, a lunch full of protein. And then the kids come home from school and I go on. Unhinged. Unhinged. Uh, derailed, unhinged, and crash car, nine one one. Yeah, like roll over, like casualty, right? And I sit here and I'm like, okay, let me preface it by saying, then my head goes to, you're a fucking idiot. You woke up this morning, you committed to yourself, you just let yourself down. Like, what is wrong with you? And what do I do in response to that? I shove an Oreo in my mouth, right? But what is that doing for me? It's like, and I have to ask myself, Why, when the kids come home, what is that trigger for me that I go unhinged? And that's kind of where I would love to take this conversation is, yes, this is a fairly universal thought process. Very, very thin people feel it. People who are athletic build, people who work out, people who are just low self-esteem, people who are heavy, like everybody thinks about this, right? Because it's so ingrained in our society and in our upbringing but it's where is it coming from for you personally and what can you do to manage it that I believe is the helpful piece of this. And I don't even know if you have the answer. I sure as hell don't because as you were talking about, yeah, I ate breakfast well, I had snack well, I did this well, I did that well. And then the whole thing fell apart. I think a lot of us can relate to that. I certainly can. As you know, I'm very all or none. So I'm either like, you know, as rigid as Rachel gets, or I have completely sloppy silver. And I'm like, well, I fucked up at nine o'clock in the morning. I might as well, quote unquote, mess up for the rest of the day. Absolutely. And I think we as a society, men, women, whomever, we have been, I don't want to say trained. I think it's more like brainwashed into categorizing how we eat into two categories, good Good or bad. bad. And there is no in-between. And as I'm sitting here having this dialogue with you, I'm thinking, oh my God, there's no therapist in the room right now. <laughs> like you're as messed up as I am. And that actually gives me some comfort because I think it's important to kind of remind people out there and let's kind of just do the disclaimers. Sure. Everyone, obviously, this isn't real therapy. It's not doctor-patient. What we're talking about here is two people who are kind of really just opening up and being vulnerable with something that is a topic that is real. The struggle is real. We all handle it in different ways. But it is important that if you out there know that you are suffering and struggling and you really do have some type of disordered eating, this is not necessarily the place to come for, for real help. Like, Get someone in your life that you can share with or let us know privately. And then 
Dr. Boca can find someone to help you because we're really kind of just mulling this around and trying to get our emotions out about it to help other people too. And and I want to say something just on a personal note. Every week, I'm so quick to put those disclaimers out for Dr. Boca. But this time, I'm putting it out for myself too because I don't want you guys to think I'm a hypocrite here trying to give tools and tips about something that I know better than. I don't. And I do struggle with it. And you know, I kind of view myself as like a functioning struggler with the body image thing. But it's hard for me too. And I think one of the reasons that we want to talk about it, Dr. Boca, and, and jump in here is that we're mirrors for not just the rest of society, but for our children too. And I'm a mom of two boys. And there have been a few scenarios that I can think of over the last 13 and 15 years where they've made a comment or they've said something or they've gone through phases. And I'm like, oh my God, boys are not immune to body image issues. And then of course I beat myself up. I'm like, well, fucked them up in that category. They definitely got that issue for me. But we have a responsibility to talk about it. It doesn't make it easier to get into, as you kind of, I feel like you're like dying to get into like, well, why, Rachel? And the where's and the why's <laughs> and the how's and what was your childhood like? And so on and so forth. But we do need to kind of bring it to the front a touch to talk about that it is an issue. Yeah, and I want to take one step back before we talk about you know the societal piece of it. The way that psychologists diagnose people is you have to meet a certain amount of criteria in order to be labeled with a diagnosis. And so most of us do not meet diagnostic criteria for these diagnoses. And I want you all to hear that. We're not all running around anorexic or bulimic or with body dysmorphia. What this is, is we are struggling with our self-worth and our self-concept and our sense of self. This is a struggle of not feeling good enough or not feeling solid with who we are. These are body image issues. This is not meaning that just because you can relate to what we say, you need to go and be institutionalized or hospitalized or whatever word you may associate with it. This is sometimes a little bit more than normal, right? We don't want anybody to be walking around struggling with this. But at the same time, this is just like everything else that we manage. You know, some people have a little bit of anxiety. Do you need to be medicated for that? Not necessarily. You you learn coping techniques and you learn strategies and you deal with the underlying issues that are contributing to it. Again, it's normal. We're human beings. We struggle with things. So I just kind of want to just to normalize that because I don't want people to be walking around feeling like they're abnormal because they have these thoughts. Um, That being said, where are they coming from and why do they feel so much more prevalent today than they did kind of when we were growing up? I remember when I was growing up, I actually talk about men having issues. I grew up with somebody in my house that had a full-blown diagnosed eating disorder, which like in that day and age was so rare that, I mean, people would be like blown away by that when I would be like, I would tell my therapist like, you know, so-and-so had an eating disorder and they'd be like, wait, what? Like, no, no. And I'm like, yeah, really? And so, you know, I have always been conscious about food in our home. My parents restricted us from having the sugared cereals because they didn't want to eat it, right? Or we ate whatever they were eating because they were managing their diets or their you know, health or whatever euphemisms we want to use. So I've always been conscious of food. However, I wasn't conscious of my body, if that makes sense, until mm-hmm. I got to college and was in a sorority. Now, fast forward, I have a daughter 
And my daughter is just entering into her teen years and she is fully conscious, not necessarily because I sit there and point things out because I'm very conscious not to do that, but she's conscious of it because everybody else around her is on social media and on the internet and has access to instant gratification of stores so she can see what's on the mannequins, you know, and she can buy it and and they're showing their midriffs and, you know, things that we didn't do back in our day. So now you take parents that are not fully coping, I guess, with their body image issues, and they're raising the next generation along with all that social media influence. And it's a train wreck. It's going to be a train wreck, which is why you're seeing girls and boys struggling in 9, 10, 11, 12 years old with really, they're on the verge of an eating disorder at that young age. So I think it's just important to realize that we have to kind of figure this out for us if we want to believe that our children are going to be better than that. Yeah. And look, you talk a great game and I'm listening to you and I'm like nodding my head. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. But I'm telling you as a human being and a person who, listen, exercise isn't even like a chore for me to kind of hedge the food that I love to eat. It's a Part of my you. mental psyche is to get out there and sweat and to do it. And I can't remember a time that I, I wasn't physically fit. It doesn't change the mental mind fuck of all the years of the where's and the why's and the how's and, and all that shit. So I'm kind of calling you out, Call that, me out that like, why are we all so fucked up? Well, I can't tell you why you're fucked up and I can't tell our each listener while they're fucked up. But... My assessment of this is we as a generation particularly craved either boundaries, control, we craved attention, we craved being in a household where we mattered, we were recognized, we wanted to stand out from other people, individualize ourselves, we wanted to, we were influenced by our friends around us. There's the social modeling that took place in sororities and in high school and So it could have stemmed from a million different things, right? Which is why some people see themselves. I mean, there are actually some people out there who think they look better than they actually do. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? Yeah, and I actually, I have such great adoration for people when I won't point to them by name, but when I do see people out there who they just love what they look like, and I'm in awe of that. You know, I commend all of you out there that don't look like you, you know, haven't eaten in, in 12 weeks and, you know, you need to be on an IV if, if someone would pay attention to you. My head is like, no, that's kind of how I do like to look. Right. Where like Where people are like, is she feeling okay? Yeah. Like she could use a cheeseburger. But when I see these men and women, they are just zaftic and pleasantly plump and they are owning it and all that. I'm like, good for them. They are strutting their stuff. They are owning it. I'm a eighth of their size and I'm hiding in my closet having an argument with myself because I can't get those those pants yeah. on that are an unrealistic, my, I call them like my gauge yep. pants that anyone in their right mind would be like, why are you using Barbie doll clothes that right. you wore 30 years ago? as an appropriate gauge. You're setting yourself up to completely sabotage yourself. Which we've spoken about for you. Again, not therapy, but we've spoken about this setting yourself up with very high expectations and really being disappointed and then beating yourself up or sabotaging yourself. So I'm not surprised by that. But to the people that embrace what they have, yes, good for them they've realized that the torture that they could put themselves through 
is not worth it. And what we are doing to ourselves is we are torturing ourselves. And so you can challenge me all you want. I will, I will, I guess, put it out there for you that we have been influenced by media, especially. And then it runs rampant. Like, just think about, and I'm not going anywhere political here, people, but let's just look at the media through the election. We saw a bias, okay? Whichever way, if you're watching on one side, you saw a bias that way. If you're on another side, you saw a bias on that way. But the media has such power over what it funnels to people. So when you bring on the Jennifer Anistons of the world and you bring on the and I'm using Jennifer, even though I love you, Jennifer. So if you're listening to this, I don't mean this in any way other than you're beautiful. But they're bringing on these unbelievably gorgeous and what we look at as perfect women. And then we who are like, don't have a team of makeup artists and trainers and nutritionists and chefs and you know coaches who are working with us to make us perfect. And I hate that word, but perfect. We're sitting here comparing ourselves to that, not looking like what you were saying, the Barbie doll. It's not realistic. But don't you think it's interesting? I mean, you're using Jennifer Aniston, but we can rattle off a zillion actors, uh, you know, male and female who, when they first got their start and listeners out there, take a minute to start rattling off on your own list. All of these actors, male, female, whomever, when they were first discovered, okay, they were normal, regular, like I'm going to give them a B minus C plus, right? They're just regular. Then they become this public figure in the eye. They're in your face. They're every magazine. They're every TV show. They're every movie. And all of a sudden, now they are that unrealistic double zero negative look that, you know, every muscle and thing is, is in perfect whatever. And that whole ideology has shifted when what they were initially hired for, their very first role, they were what we would consider now to be like, oh, ready? Here I go. Oh, I'm so fat. Right, right. Absolutely. And they're under scrutiny. And I think that's part of what we're seeing in society today. They're in a fishbowl, right? And now we are more in a fishbowl than we've ever been before. Because now, Yes, our small towns are fishbowls in and of themselves. You run into people, people are evaluating yourselves and and especially in a place like we live where you're half naked walking outside because it's like 4,000 degrees and you're schwitzing so you don't even want to wear clothes, right? So you have, you're like always thinking about that. My arms feel good, your legs feel good, whatever. But now on top of that, People are flaunting their life, as we've talked about on social media. So you're in a bigger fishbowl. So you don't want your college friends to see you looking like, you know, you've put on 40 pounds because like we've all been guilty of that, where we've looked at a picture of someone we haven't seen in 20 years and we're like, oh my God, really? Right. And yes, I'm unpolished. I'm ashamed to say that, but like, yeah. So... Well, it's funny. Some of my high school friends and I will see pictures of, of friends of ours from high school that actually look so much better now than they ever did. That's and we're me. like, dude, did you see so-and-so? That's me though, because I was the ugly duckling in high school. So my people, like I saw my friends at my high school reunion and they were like, oh my God, right? So what does that do? That validates you. That makes you say, oh, I'm doing something right. I'm going to continue doing it. Right. But I think what it also does, there the trigger of, well, what was I doing, quote unquote, then. wrong right. then? Mm-hmm. And again, I am hardly a therapist by no stretch of the imagination. You play one on but, TV well. But <laughs> but I play one on TV. 
it does kind of circle back to like a self-worth thing. Yes. And and I'm I'm throwing myself under the bus here by saying I do, and I don't even want to apologize for it. I feel better about me yep. if I feel like I look good, not to you, not to this one, not to, to myself. Mm-hmm. And then if that then projects yep. more self-confidence, or we always talk about like energy and your vibration and all that, mm-hmm. that's what gives me a, an extra spring in my step. And when I derail, for me, it's harder for me to get back on track. Sometimes I do self-sabotage back to like, oh, I fucked up. I might as well continue. When that continue, when the one bad, quote unquote, bad meal then turns into, well, it's Thursday already. So that means tomorrow it's Friday. So why not just keep, we'll start keep, Monday. keep it going? And then, then, oh, well, I'll start, you know, the quote unquote diet on Monday. That's where some of that self-loathe comes mm-hmm. in. Speaking for myself, I know I probably, there's other people who I know can relate to it as well, where it's like, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate it. And back to the words we say to ourselves, there's power in that, people. I am going to kind of throw this out there. And again, I I don't want to be framed as a hypocrite here because I'm taking my own advice on this. What if, and I, I'm kind of, you know me, I love these little quizzes we throw out there to everyone, but what if we all try when we, that knee jerk, when we say like, oh, I'm so fat, why don't we turn that around? We can still say I'm so fat, but let's make it instead of F-A-T, why don't we make it P-H-A-T? Oh my God. Why am I even here? Like you, you are that? doing my job right? for me. I'm this so amazing. P H A T. I'm amazing. I'm great. I'm this. The things that we would say to others to lift them up. Well, and again, I'm saying it because I need it. I am no exception to this. If anything, I'm the biggest fuck up that in this category that needs the help. So that's why I'm imploring myself. Okay, but did you just hear what you said? I'm the biggest fuck up oh, right. in but- this category. I thought <laughs> we're saying I'm so fat, P-H-A-T. But Rachel, let me just, I want to take a step back. You may think you're the biggest quote unquote. I'm quoting this because you said it, fuck up. And I'm going to argue differently. We have been doing this podcast now for two seasons. And the fact that you are already taking my lines and you are already coming up with strategies and ways to counter some of these things, like look at how much has been coming and you've internalized. So you can sit here all you want and do your fakakamimi, like I get it intellectually, but how am I going to incorporate it? And how am I going to change this, right? You are. This is the process of it. It is taking this information in evaluating it and looking at it and being like, hey, it's not serving me any well anymore very well. Okay, what can I do about it? And it's not going to be this, I think everybody has this feeling that they go into therapy or they talk about their problem and there's going to be this like, aha freaking moment. And then, oh, all things are cured. No, there's an aha-ish moment that has to be explored and repeated and repeated and repeated. And you're going to try something a little different. And then you're going to try something a little bit different on top of that. And, oh, that worked. And this didn't. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to keep practicing this. And it's an evolution. And I think that's so important with body image. We have been conditioned this way from a very young age. There are things that are underlying our self-worth. This is one thing that we can focus on and kind of control something that is so uncontrollable sometimes that we beat ourselves up because that's what we expect to happen in life is when we're not happy or we're not quote unquote good at something, we get punished and we punish ourselves and we beat ourselves up. That's a learned behavior. That's something that's happened probably from the beginning of your life. So we have to start 
somewhere. And if you're saying I'm doing it for me, then the validation has to come from you. Can't come from the outside world. So when you start having a day like that, we have to stop ourselves and say, look, we're human. We're not exactly where we want to be, but every day is a journey to get there. And would I rather take one step forward or push myself two steps back? How can I take one step forward? I can celebrate the things that I'm doing really well. I can make that food is, is fuel versus something that's good or something that's bad. I can say I want to make the best choices I can make for myself because I want to be around for my children. I don't know if you do, but I'm going to say I do. I'm I just want to do it eating pizza and I want to remain really skinny. Okay, so <laughs> if you want to do pizza, right? That's great. Eat pizza. I don't believe in restricting anything. Like that's not where I come from. Have a piece of pizza. And maybe you don't have as much wine with the pizza on that one night because you're going to feel better about yourself the next day, right? And then you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, ah, oh, fuck, I ate the piece of pizza. And I'm going to say, yes, but you didn't have the glass of wine. So it could have been a shit ton worse and you should feel really good. I hate the word should, but you could feel really good about the choices that you made. Why does lettuce taste so Ugh. unappealing and pizza just tastes so good? Like, why can't the lettuce be what potentially would make you not feel good in the morning? And the pizza that just tastes so delicious and the cookies and the candy and the cheese. I mean, for me, I'm a cheese and bread whore. You give me a great baguette. You give me some great olive oil and some Parmesan cheese, a big hunk of it. And I'm a happy, happy girl. Okay. While I'm eating it. But you should be happy, right? Like you're entitled to be happy and enjoy yourself. So why do you beat yourself up afterwards in that moment? And that's all we have is this moment. You were happy. Allow yourself to be happy the next moment. It's funny, not knowing we were talking about this today, I found this meme that someone had posted on Facebook that said, or Instagram or whatever, Fukakamini thing. You know, when you buy a bag of salad and it gets all brown and soggy, cookies don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, right, like seriously, I'm eating the fucking cookie right? I'm eating the fucking cookie. And it's interesting. I want to I wanna take one second. And this is a personal thing. I lost a very good friend of mine from college to breast cancer a couple of years ago. Randy, I, I miss you terribly. And when she went to the doctor and got diagnosed and they were trying to figure out the treatment plan and everything, the doctor was like, or the nurse, or the nutritionist, whoever she was working with said, sweetheart, just eat the cookie. Like mm. eat the cookie. Like you don't have to like clean up everything in your diet. If you want the cookie, eat the cookie. And when my dad died in his eulogy, because my father used to like have these conversations with himself also, I said to him, I hope you're up in Avon eating the cookie, mm. right? So it resonated with me. Maybe I love cookies, but aside from that, that's the truth of this. You get this one life. Why are you so fixated? And when I say you, I mean our listeners. Why are we all, me all, you all, we all focused in on the things that bring us joy. Why do we beat ourselves up for that? Give yourself a fucking break. I think you're right. And that reminded me of a story. And again, I want to try to practice what I preach. I know it's easier to say it than to practice it, but I promise everyone out there, I'm going to try as well. One of my dearest friends always says to me, 
whatever it is you eat, whether it's the cookie, whether it's the pizza, whether it's the pasta, whatever it may be, eat it with love. Mm. Don't eat it and be miserable while you're eating of it because you know later, if, like if you already know you're going to be miserable later, Don't eat at it. least while you're eating it, make love to that cookie. <laughs> when you're twirling that pasta on the spoon and the fork and whatever, you want to just be as sensual with it as you can so and true. really love it and be in the moment. Mm. I laugh because even though I have a very tough time and I do beat myself up to no end about it thereafter. One thing I'm very good at is in the moment. I love food that much. So for you, know. you the progress is post, right? You're like the post-depression afterwards. So we have to start focusing in on that and saying, I enjoyed myself. I don't want to now punish myself for the enjoyment. That's just so unfair to do that to yourself. You enjoyed it. Enjoy it. Continue to enjoy it. And relish in that. And I think that's just such an important life lesson because, you know, there's a whole school of thought or there's, that's not even a school of thought. It is a whole school of therapy or psychology at this point called mindfulness. It's about living in the moment. And what we do with mindfulness is like, look, guys, be in the moment, taste that fucking food, taste every bite, every flavor, every Look at all the colors in it. Enjoy it. And guess what? Afterwards, when those feelings start to surface of shame and guilt and disgust, those feelings may be there, but we have to move through it. We have to just kind of say, they're just feelings. Let's get back on the horse. Let's, we enjoyed it. It was beautiful. It was delicious. I had my little mini orgasm over it and that was worth everything. And okay, these feelings come and go. But that moment that we ate that, that's not going to come and go. That was so good. 100%. The other thing I want to say, and this actually ironically may be a great place to end, but a great place to pick up for another episode because we could talk about this till I'm blue in the face. As we get older too, women especially, but men, again, we're not excluding you from this conversation. As our bodies change, it gets harder and harder to maintain what you look like now, even if you're working just as hard to maintain it. Um, as evidenced by what it's going on in my world with I'm right on the cusp of, you know, I hate to say like the M word, that menopause word. So yeah. we'll call it the P word, you know, the perimenopause. But this is something that's real. This is also a struggle that I would love to dive into because it is kind of part and parcel with body image. Your, your body literally is changing on the inside. And by definition, it does change your outer exterior. And that is certainly not helping the body image issues that we've already had that obviously we've layered on from the time we're little kids. And mm -hmm. if we haven't really come to grips with it as middle-aged men and women, it's only going to fuel the fire. And, and I would love for us to spend some time, you know, in another session, it doesn't have to be now, but kind of parlaying our conversations about body image, unhealthy, and how we transition to healthy sure. body image, and then how to use that knowledge mm -hmm. to help us in what comes next. It's kind of like, you know, with parenting or anything, like right when we think we've gotten a grip right. on how to handle this, right? all of a sudden we get another curveball thrown at us, we're right back to square one. And at least that's kind of what's happened with me with the body image thing. And I'm, I'm on a good path. I'm on a good path. And then all of a sudden now I have to deal with, with this, you know, perimenopause, menopause situation. And it's adding a lot of fuel, if you will, to the already unpolished fire. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. You're a hundred percent right. And we're going to talk about that. But I, you know, look, the only thing that we can count on is change. Mm -hmm. And so there are, we have to be able to roll with it and we have to figure out a way 
well, we don't have to, but we have two choices. We can not adapt to change and not embrace it and not roll with it and be miserable. Or we can be frustrated, but figure it out and go with it and embrace the opportunities. And I believe body image is like that. And I can talk from my own experience very quickly. I've morphed. Like I've gone through every iteration of body image questioning and concerns and freedom and restriction in, in just over the almost 50 years that I've been alive, right? I have looked at myself, I've been heavy, right? Heavy for me, right? I then lost weight, not even knowingly tried to lose weight. Like it just fell off me because I was like younger in my 20s. I would sit there and, and think, oh, I'll have a salad instead of a piece of pizza and I'm not going to eat carbs and I'm going to do this. And oh my God, I'm so fat. Not P-H-A-T, but F-A-T. And then there were times where I was like, oh my God, I'm so fat. At P-H-A-T, right? It, those shifted. I used to work out like a crazy lunatic because, oh, I, you know, I rationalized it as saying like, oh, I feel so much better. It's good for my head. I sweat it out. And all of that is true. But I was doing like crazy shit. And then guess what? I got injured. And I couldn't work out. So now I had to change how I, my relationship with food because food was going to be really what I was going to bank on to kind of keep me where I feel best. And I learned through that process that it's never going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. And what you think is perfect, even for you, changes. As, as we say, you know, if we could look at, you know, if we could only be as thin as we thought we were fat, mm -hmm. you know, years ago and be like, oh my God, I thought I was so fat then. I wish I was that thin. It changes for us. So there, you're chasing this fantasy of a perfection that's constantly changing. So let's just look at the fact that we're healthy, that we have this life in front of us, that we have a choice of what we're going to do. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but I am so flipping busy every day that like my brain doesn't have the mental space really to be like putting so much energy into my body. Okay. I just can't do it anymore. And I won't do it anymore. I need to be there for my kids. I need to be there for my family and my husband. I need to be there for my patients. I just can't expend this energy worrying about if my scale is three pounds up or two pounds up. I just can't do it anymore. And I won't allow myself to do it. So even though I can look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, the wrinkles or, oh my God, like there was, there's a brown spot here that wasn't here before. Or, oh my God, my neck. How many people have found Zoom neck, right? Through all of this. Okay, it's also a sign of we're maturing. You know, we realize that our life isn't going to go on forever. Let's make the most of it. So we have to shift our mindset a little bit. And I've watched that evolution. And if you guys could just, all of us, free ourselves up a little bit from it, you'll see that there's just so many more things that we can be doing that make us feel so much happier. I think that's true. And I appreciate you saying that. And in the spirit of being honest, I think this is probably a good place to end. There's nothing more I can add to it because it is a struggle. Mm -hmm. And so I hear you. I appreciate your, your words of wisdom. All we can do is the best that we can. And I'm going to attempt to put those into motion a little bit more and be more mindful every day when I wake up in the morning. How about just being grateful that I am my heart is beating and I can open up. And if my fingers are a little swollen and fat because <laughs> I had four pieces of pizza and two cookies. You enjoyed it. You know what? It, it is what it is. And on that note, let's stop, but pick it up next week and we can carry over. This conversation is something that is probably here to stay. And maybe we'll dovetail it with some of the menopause stuff. But in the meantime, I want to end by saying everyone out there, you are fat. P-H-A-T. I'm fat. Dr. Boke is fat. 
We're all fat, P-H-E-T, and let's live it and love it and indulge. And I think we should order a pizza. I, I'm totally for pizza. <laughs> pizza and wine is totally um, up my alley. And I just wanted to add, I loved what you just said about all of us being fat. That's wonderful. If you guys, though, have questions that you want us to address on this issue or on menopause coming up, let us know. Email us at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. I believe I'm not usually the person who does the technology on this, but I think that's how you reach us and ask us the question. I'm not going to use your name, but I would love to be able to give you some audacious advice or one of the other, right? To help you deal with it and make this meaningful for you. So please reach out to us. And like Rachel said before, if you're struggling with this and our words aren't helping you and you really do need a little bit more, I am happy to help you find somebody who can help you work through it. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you, Dr. Boca. And thank you to all of our listeners for hanging on board with us. It's been another great week here on the corner of Audacity and Advice, where my wheels, Dr. Boca's wheels, and I would presume your wheels as well, have gotten spun upside down. We'll be back next week. We'll tackle all the tough talk, whether it be body image, whether it be menopause, whether it be back to sex, whether it be whatever it is that we want to crash the car in, we're ready to go. And we hope you'll come along for the ride. Have a great week, everyone. I'm Rachel Silver Cohen. And from Dr. Boca and myself, this has been Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.